His name is Jesus, and he's amazing. Amen? Let's give him glory again for just what he's done for us. Yeah. At the start of this Christmas season, I want it to be known that we're here to celebrate the birth of our Savior, the, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, who was sent down from heaven to save us from our sins. This is what Jesus said in John 6. I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. He's talking about his Father in heaven. He's talking about God who created everything. Uh, just understand this. Think about this. It was God's will. It is God's will still today for you to be saved through the blood of Jesus, to, to be made new through him. God loved you enough to send his one and only son so that we would live through him. God gave his son that had been with him in heaven forever. Think about that. Before even time began, the Father and the Son were in heaven. They were together. They were in relationship. He sent that Son who had been with him in heaven forever so that we might be in heaven as sons and daughters with him forever through him. And that's deep. That's challenging to think about. But that's, that's the good news of Christmas. That's the gospel, the amazing gift that we've received. This is this lavish grace, something that we don't deserve, that's given to us by our Heavenly Father. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, if you've been around dads or grandfathers or parents in general, but they don't hold back from the kids they love. It's just true. They don't. I don't know if you've noticed fathers who love their kids uh, will do extreme things for them, things they won't do for other people. In all honesty, uh, dads will do things for their kids they won't do for others. And that's true of me as well. No disrespect to you, but there's things that I do for my kids, my boys, and my daughter that, that I wouldn't do for you. Case in point, about two weeks ago uh, after uh, um, school one day, we quickly got uh, all the things for Christmas de decorations out of the attic. And we, it only took a little bit of time because we were all home there together. And then Tiffany and I went to one of Drake's first basketball games. Here's where the problem begins. Uh, Daly stayed home with the other boys, and it gets sketchy when that starts to happen. But Daly's home with the boys. We're at this basketball game, and the Christmas presents are just out. You know, it's just like the attic just like let a, you know, just puked all over everything. They're in the kitchen, they're in the garage, and Daly's just inspired by all this Christmas. Uh, you, I want to remind you, Daly's in the third grade, and she has a big imagination. She's creative. By the time we get home, Daly has created uh, these items. They are what she calls mini marshmallow Christmas pops. And, and they're pretty simple. They're beautiful. They are mini marshmallows skewered with a toothpick and then covered with some type of uh, beautiful sugar. Uh, she chose some Christmas colors, and, and when we got home, she presented them to Tiffany and I on like a, a, like a, a deviled egg tray. You know, you can see she just, she's like, here you go. You know, they were out probably for Thanksgiving, I don't know, and we're like, man, these are amazing. They're beautiful. I, I, was, I was impressed. She must have been inspired by all the, all the things we pulled out of the attic. Tiffany's like, where did you, where did you think about doing this? What, what made you think of it? She goes, I just thought it from my own head. I was like, I'm even more impressed. And then as I'm picking one of these up to about ready to consume one, I'm like, let's see how they taste. Tiffany says, Daly, how did you get the sugar to stick to the marshmallow? And Daly says, oh, I licked all of them. <laughs> you can't make this stuff up. And I've got one in my hand, and I laid it back on the tray, and I just backed away. <laughs> Tiffany backed away quicker than I even, 
And then I caught her eye as Daly and Tiffany are both looking at me, Tiffany behind Daly, and I just kind of get the will of my wife from her look. You are going to eat one of these, Tyson. <laughs> as I walked more away into the other end of the table, Daly said the word. She says, Dad, aren't you going to try one? And I looked at Tiffany again, and I knew I was going to try one. But on things that aren't involving my kids, I might argue with Tiffany and, and have a, a conversation. But I went over to there, and I picked up that mini marshmallow pop, and I popped it in my mouth. And it was just what you would think it would be, okay? <laughs> but I want you to know, as dads, as parents, we'll do things for our kids that we won't do for others. It's not that way with Jesus. It's not that way with God. Our Heavenly Father chose to send His Son, and hear this, into the mess we made, much worse than licking a marshmallow, he, we, into our, the mess of our lives, into our sin. And for each and every one of us, while we were far from Him, He sent His Son to die for us. Amen? He didn't walk away and said, I don't want any part of this. He didn't have to get a look from anyone. It was His will that you might be saved through Jesus. That's the good news. Jesus came down to earth for each of us based on the will of the Father. And Jesus didn't just come down to earth for a moment for like a showing and then leave again. No. He didn't just come and leave us alone. He came and met us where we were at. Jesus literally came down from heaven and came down to earth. The most important part of this to be a sacrifice for us was that he came down to earth and took on flesh. This is the incarnation. It's a word that we don't use a lot, but what it literally means is God's will was for Jesus to be born of a woman and take on flesh. And Jesus was God 100% and human 100%. He was fully God and fully man. Uh, this past couple weeks with people with great intention, I've heard tell the, the good news. They tried to tell the story of Jesus, and they said Jesus was part God and part man. No, he was fully God. He didn't, give the, he didn't give up that God quality, and he was fully man. What allowed him to be our sacrifice and allowed him to really come down to earth in the flesh, and he lived like us. He ate what we ate. He worked as a carpenter. Hard work, was creative. I, I assume he was maybe the best carpenter that ever lived. He was tempted. In every way that we are, yet did not sin. He had an earthly mom and dad, had an earthly family. He hurt with the pain that we feel emotionally and physically. He did more than just come to earth. I, I believe, I would suggest to you, he was a down-to-earth guy. Why did he have to come to earth to be with us? Today we're going to look at this, this aspect of this. He came down to earth to meet us where we are. There was no way we could obtain a position with God on our own abilities, yet so Jesus came to be with us right where we're at. Next week, we're going to look at this truth, that Jesus came down to earth to give us a purpose, and I know we all need a purpose. Next week, I want you to know this before you forget. At 8.30, we're going to focus on this series and that Jesus came to give us a purpose. At 10.45 during this service, there's going to be a children's Christmas musical. So what I would suggest, you're like, I don't know which way to go to. Come to both. There are two different services. At 8.30, we'll be in God's Word and studying how Jesus came down to be with us. At 10.45, we're going to celebrate how the children can show us our purpose as well through a message and song and focusing on Jesus. And then on December 18th, we're going to see how Jesus came down to be with us. Just that most simple fact. Literally, that he was Emmanuel, God with us. 
And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've been trusting him, I pray that this series that we're going through this December will be a great reminder of not only who Jesus was, but who he is and how he wants to be with you. How he'll meet you right where you're at. How he'll give you purpose daily. And how he'll never leave you or forsake you. For others of you who currently don't trust Jesus, maybe you've never really known him, you've never realized how much he did for you into your mess, I pray that this is a refreshing look of how God came in the flesh in the form of his son Jesus to become down to earth to meet you in your greatest needs, in your greatest desires. You're going to see that today. Don't you know that it's great to have a friend who's down to earth? I mean, it's just it's really a big part of life. Uh, Jesus is absolutely, though, the King of Kings. I don't want to minimize this. While we focus on the fact that he came down to earth, and he is down to earth, he is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Right now, he's in heaven at the right hand of God, and angels are continually saying, holy, holy, holy. I mean, he is God. And yet, in his down-to-earth nature as a human, he's the best friend we could ever have. He created the heavens, and he came down to earth. In, a, in an amazing consideration of this, Ben Allen was sharing with me a song that he's preparing for Christmas Eve. And here's one of the lines, and I may mess it up, but I quote this. It's amazing to consider that the one who was born from Mary's womb is the one who hung the moon. The one who, who on that night, on that night where, where we think it was such a silent night, there was much tragedy, and Mary gave birth in pain and pain and in the full uh, nature of everything human. He's the one that came from her womb, yet he's the one who, who hung everything in the stars and the sky. What a tremendous balance of who Jesus is, that he came down to earth to be in a relationship with us. This concept goes beyond what we can understand at times. But we all can get a glimpse of this, that the very best friends are down to earth. I mean, think about it. I've never heard anyone say, boy, I I love that friend Frank. He's such a phony. You know, we we don't hear that. Or how about Pat? She's so full of pride. No one says, I love my pretentious friends. I want to hang out with them. That's not the way it goes. We we want friends. We're ready for friends that are down to earth that tell us like it is. That no matter how busy they are, they have time to spend with us. No matter how popular they they become or how powerful uh, they may uh, be be, uh, realized as a person, they can take time to meet our needs and, and to share with us. At first, it's hard to comprehend that God, in all of his powerful nature and control of everything, wants to be with you, but that's his will. Not only when he sent Jesus, but it's his will today that that we might be in relationship with him. Sometimes it's hard to believe that God would want relationship with us in his great position is because we have all met at some time a popular or powerful person that lets us down. You know that person that you, you long to meet, you long to be in a relationship, and then all of a sudden you're there and you realize they don't have margin or space to be with you at all. And it hurts because they're not down to earth, at least to you. Maybe you've met a popular artist or athlete Maybe it's an actor or an actress, and you could tell they had no time for you, and it hurt a little bit. Maybe you met someone that you admired, and they were just flat out mean. Maybe it's your boss or a leader or a coach or a teacher, and they treated you like you wouldn't have treated anyone, but that was the way they treated you. And it's hard to process that that God would be any different, that, that someone so powerful could want to be with us. But remember, that's his will to be in a relationship with you. It's hard when you finally meet someone that you look forward to so much and they kind of blow you off. 
you realize they're not down to earth. It happened to my brother and I in 1989. We were at a DC Talk concert. How many of you remember DC Talk? It was in Vincennes, Indiana. Uh, the first time I'd ever heard DC Talk. Uh, prior to that concert, my brother and I received a, a cassette of DC Talk's first album. Man, our, our minds are blown away. It's our first real exposure to hip-hop or rap, as, as, at least as far as we knew it. And uh, they had this one song on there. It kind of went like this. Heaven bound. Ha, ha, heaven bound. And it, I, won't do, I won't bother you with that anymore. <laughs> it was great. They were really good. They did like five songs that night at Vincennes, Indiana, at Lincoln High School in Vincennes. It was like in the auditorium. Maybe 1,100 people there. It was packed. Most people were there to see DC Talk. They kind of exploded right off the top. Right off the bat. When DC Talk was done, my brother and I was like, hey, let's go see if we can, you know, uh, see them when they're signing autographs or whatever. We waited for a little bit, and then we went down the hall where they were supposed to be at, and they're no longer at the table. We're a little disappointed. And then we saw them coming down the hallway in this high school, and we're like, I wonder where they're going. So we just stopped. I was probably four foot nothing. My brother was probably three and a half foot tall. And we just sat there, and we saw them coming. And probably like five different times, we said Hi. Now, I think that's all we said was, hi, they did not see us. They walked right past us, and we turned like this as they walked down, and I said, I said, I told my brother, I said, they must be really busy. To my surprise, though, they walked in like two rooms down, and the words that came out of their mouth were, hey, what do we want to do for the next hour and a half? We've got time to kill. And yet they didn't take time to see us, and it hurt. It was a reminder that, that the moment that we dreamed of to seeing DC talking and meeting them wasn't what we thought. It was a letdown. And from our perspective that night, they weren't down to earth at least to two boys from southern Indiana. I wonder how many times you've been let down by the world or someone you looked up to. So often we want people to, to see us, to spend time with us, but because of their popularity, the pace of their life, they let us down. And it's reality, they're not down to earth. But that's not who Jesus was. He came from heaven down to earth to be a down to earth type of guy, to spend time with us. It was the will of the Father for him to be among us, to die for us so we could be saved. And leading up to Christmas, I want you to see again that Jesus literally came down to earth to be with you. That's the good news God sent him to save us, to restore us in the mess we were in, far worse than a mini marshmallow that has been messed up. But he came in the middle of our sin, in the middle of our mess, in our darkest moments where, where all the world's walking away and looking for any way to get out of our relationship with us. Jesus entered in and met us right where we're at. Maybe you're here today and you're like, man, my mess is great. I want you to know from God's word, he came to be with you right where you're at, but not to leave you there. Let's look to the text. It's in Luke chapter 18, on page 878, we see this story of Jesus meeting a man who everyone else was backing away from. It's, it's a text where Jesus meets the blind beggar. Look with me to Luke 18 on page 878. If you've got a Bible around you like the one I'm holding, we're going to look at verse 35 and following. It says this, As he, which is Jesus, drew near to, drew near to Jericho... A blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. They had no social security. There, there was no support for this type of guy. And hearing the crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. He's like, this crowd is different. What's going on? He had a heightened sense for just hearing. He said, something's different here. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. 
Right from the beginning, he, he knew his time was short. He couldn't run after He started crying out to him. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Uh, same thing twice. He's crying out, Save me. Have mercy on me. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? This is Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you, you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people saw, uh, excuse me, and when all they saw it, gave praise to God. What an amazing testimony of Jesus seeing someone that others pushed aside. That he meets us right where we're at. Uh, don't miss this main point. Jesus is ready to meet you right where you are. He isn't waiting for you to get everything figured out because that's never going to happen. Jesus doesn't uh, look for you among who are most important. Jesus sees each of us right where we are and says, I'm ready to meet your needs. The question is, will you call out to him? Some of you are still thinking, though, today, my life is so messed up, Jesus would never spend time with me, but he will. I don't know why you think that. It may be because the crowd's been telling you that for a long time. Notice in the text, that's what the crowd tells this beggar. He says, shh, quiet. The English Standard Version here, uh, they, they say, they tell, you know, they, they, it tells him to, they rebuke him. It says, be silent. Uh, other, other versions say, be quiet. I think probably more uh, um, literally, but they probably said something like this. Shut up, blind man. No one wants to hear from you. He had heard that type of language, that type of de declaration in his life for so long, and he could have began to think, uh, even Jesus won't want anything to do with me. But you know what? He says he cries out, have mercy on me, son of David. Some of you may have heard for a long time that you have no voice, no one wants to hear from you, but God is crying out to you today, call to him. Because never forget this, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came to, to be with the least of these, those that are pushed to the side, those that, that maybe don't fit in based on pedigree or popularity. You know who needs to remember this as much as anyone is maybe not the person hurting, but it's the leaders of this church. It's anyone who's a, a forerunner for Christ. Because if you look at the text again, notice the people that told this blind man to be quiet were those in the lead. It says those who were in front rebuked him. Those who were leading this procession rebuked him. It was the leaders of the day that didn't understand the mission of Jesus. Let us never forget at Greenville First Christian Church, our mission is to help those find Jesus that are lost. It goes right along with our literal mission to love God, love people, and serve who? Serve all. Those that often are pushed to the side, those that others have told to be quiet, those the world overlooks, that's who we're to be serving. So let me ask you before we move on, who right now do you know that oftentimes the world overlooks? You may be, it's me. Well, Jesus is calling you today. But, but maybe you've been to church your entire life and you've, uh, you've got to this point where you think you've got it figured out. Let me tell you, if you've lost the sight of what the mission is, you, you don't have it figured out. Who has God put in your sights, in your life, that the world's telling to be quiet and overlooks? You have been empowered to serve them, to meet their needs, to be a down-to-earth type of person to come alongside them and say, how can I help you? I just want to spend time with you today. Let's, let's go get a coffee. 
Let's, let's hang out. Let's play some games. Uh, you want to come over to my house tonight? How, how can I serve you in some way? God is challenging us through this text, I believe, not to be one of these leaders in the front and say, oh, forget that person. No, we're to run to that person and say, hey, what can I serve you in? Or how can I serve you? We're to serve all people. The ones that the world can, sometimes can overlook. The one the world say, hey, they, they don't really fit in anymore. Maybe those that don't have family and maybe not many friends, and all of a sudden they can be on the outside if we're not careful. It honestly makes me think of our dear sister, Sid O'Neill. Sid O'Neill, in all reality, didn't have many family left. You could have thought over the last two years, through COVID and everything, that her friends would have faded away. In this past month, when she went from the hospital and was directed by her doctor to do the right thing and to go home and, and be at peace and ready to just transition from this world, you could have thought she would have spent the, the remainder of her life kind of lonely, but that's not what happened to Sid, and I praise God for that. Directed by an awareness of, of D, and many of you who have known Sid for years, uh, you did something amazing when we caught word that she was to come home. Because of some details of her house and not being able to really take care of things the last few months, her home was in a position she wasn't really comfortable with. And we caught word that maybe she needed like a remake of her home, just to get it cleaned up. And many of you went into Sid's house and, and went and to prepare her to come home. This past week, whenever I was in her home for the first time since she came home, it was like a, a magazine picture. It was just everything in place. It was just, a, just perfect how she wanted it. That wasn't even the most of it. What I noticed was realizing that every time I went to her house, someone was there. Sure, she didn't have much family, but she had a lot of friends, and many of them are right in this church. Also from the school, the community began to serve her and reach out to her and care for her. And hospice came in, and she was well taken care of. Last Sunday during uh, Sunday school hour, I went to be with her just a little bit, and I thank God that I did because that was the last day she was coherent. Her eyes were open, she was talking, but then by Monday, that was no longer possible. So on Monday, when I was there just to be with her, I love what I saw. While I prayed and shared some scripture, the most touching thing that happened, it wasn't a family member, it wasn't even a person in the church, it was just a friend being a lot like Jesus, just sat by her bed and held her hand. And though she couldn't see because her eyes were closed, and though we don't know if she really heard, that friend sang a lullaby to her for about 10 minutes straight, just comforting Sid and caring for her. In a moment where Sid uh, could have been threatened by this world where you don't matter, there's nothing more that you have to offer us, her friends and family and church family ran to her and cared for her, and I praise God for that. Don't miss this. God is putting in each of our lives someone, maybe not in the exact uh, storyline of Sid, but someone that you can care for, that you can come alongside, that the world, if we're not careful, can push off and saying, oh, just have them be quiet. It doesn't matter in their life. They do. And Jesus is that type of person that does as we follow his example to meet the needs of the hurting and the lonely and those that can't help themselves. Are you willing to serve them? But what if it's messy? I can guarantee it's going to be messy. Meeting the needs of someone, the world has said, hey, uh, you should just be put off the side and, and we don't need to hear from you anymore. Those oftentimes are, are the, the situations that are the most messy. But follow the example of Jesus. Look at what Jesus says after he washed the disciples' feet. Right before he went to the cross, he says this in John 13. He says, I have set you an example 
that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Here, here's, a, here's some good news. Not only that Jesus came to bless us, that as we follow his example and bless someone else, whether it's Sid or a blind man or your neighbor across the street who's lonely or or, uh, the the person at work that just got laid off for whatever reason or the person that's sick or the family going through a relation stress, when you meet their needs, you will be blessed probably more than they are. I know I've blessed every time that I spent any time recently with Sid. She is such a blessing. I wonder who you're going to bless. Who has been a blessing to you? You might say, well, Tyson, I can't bless anyone because my life is a mess. I am like daily holding these pops and, and, and I'm pretending like everything's fine, but everything is falling out of place. Then you need to cry out to Jesus, literally. You need to turn yourself into that beggar, not, not in front of us, but in front of the, the Lord and say, Jesus, I need your help. Cry out to him. Be honest. Look what, look what the, the beggar said. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What is mercy? This guy was wise enough to say, I need your mercy. Uh, uh, Jesus, the Messiah. What is mercy? Well, it's not grace. So here's what grace is. We've been talking a lot about grace lately, the lavish grace that God gives. Grace is a gift that's undeserved. So grace is a gift given by God that's undeserved or by someone else. Mercy is a punishment that is deserved removed. Mercy is whenever you have something that should develop pain is undeservingly taken away. So you don't have it anymore. So this blind beggar is crying out for mercy. uh, Something that has always been his life. Something that maybe he thinks he deserves for it to be removed. He cries out to Jesus, the son of David, help me, have mercy on me. He doesn't just say it once, he says it over and over. Do you know, though, this is the only time in the Gospel of Luke where the wording is used, son of David? You hear it other places in the New Testament, but for the Gospel of Luke, the recording of Jesus' life in Luke, this is the only time that the the wording son of David is said. And and it's by no chance the only one that really saw Jesus as the son of David, meaning the Messiah at this point, was a blind man. How did a blind man who couldn't even see Jesus physically identify him as the son of David, the Messiah? Because of faith. Because of trust. Because he was desperate. He he was longing uh, for the hope of Jesus. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, the Messiah, have mercy on me. Give me uh, what only you can give. And Jesus stops in his tracks and commands, hey, bring him to me. When he he cried out, Jesus heard his cry. I want you to know this today. If you cry out to him, Jesus hears you. But you can't just say, well, uh, so-and-so, if you can help me or if you can't, I would like maybe some attention. No, there has to be a point where you say, Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of the living God, the one who died on the cross, I need mercy. I'm getting what I deserve, and I need your gift of mercy. Jesus is calling out for you to come to him. Look what he says in Matthew 11. Then Jesus said, come to me. He's saying to each one of you, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry a heavy burden, and I will give you rest. There's someone here today that's tired, that's weary, that's got a heavy load. Jesus saying, come to me, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart, and I will find rest for your souls. 
For my yoke is easy to bear, and my burden I give you is light. If you have a load today, whatever it is, come to him. Say, help me, Jesus. So how did the blind man respond? In the Gospel of Mark, this story is recorded as well. Look what it says. It says, and throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. This is an interesting image. This beggar sitting beside the road, when Jesus calls to him, it says he sprang up and I can envision him running. When's the last time you saw a blind man running? I love this picture. There's occasionally cross-country runners and marathon runners who will run with someone. They're holding off oftentimes to a partner runner. and They hold on to like their shoulder or elbow. No blind man I've never seen run on their own. This guy sprung up and ran to Jesus. He put his trust completely. He knew he needed Jesus. That's not even the most amazing part. It says throwing off his cloak. He threw off his cloak. What does that mean? What is a cloak? A cloak is simply like an outer garment or maybe an outer coat. And it was a big deal for a blind man, especially to throw off his outer cloak. Because in that cloak would have probably been a little bit of food for that day, maybe his most valuable possessions. It was like a wallet and a, a, like a, a cupboard all wrapped up into one for this blind man. And if he could have access to something uh, on his person, on his body, he likely couldn't go get it because he couldn't see it. So him having everything inside his outer garment could have been very, very important for his life. And him symbolizing that he was throwing off all the things he possessed to run after Jesus showed that he was trusting in Jesus. He threw all this off, his possessions, his food, his hope to live for that day to pursue Jesus. That's faith. That changed everything for this man. I wonder this for you. What do you have in your life today? Maybe not in your coat, but maybe in your mind in around your life that you need to throw off to say, Jesus, I'm trusting you. Jesus, I'm no longer holding on to this. I'm no longer holding on. I'm springing up and I'm going to let everything else go so I can uh, pursue you. That, that's what faith is. Notice he says, you, your eyesight has been returned because you've had faith in me. But even before that, Jesus asked this question of this guy, the same question he asked of you today. Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? Do you know why Jesus asked that? I really don't know for sure, but here's what I'm thinking. Jesus takes the time to to slow down and say, what do you need? To a man who's probably not had anyone ask him that for a long time. He spent most of his, his adult life likely just begging. No one says, well, what do you need? He's always got to say, can you please help me? Can you, can you spare this? And Jesus comes to him without him begging for anything other than mercy and says, what do you need me to do for you? Well, everybody knew what the guy needed. He was blind. Yet Jesus gave him a down-to-earth question, a practical question, says, what do you need me to do for you? That's the question he's asking you today as well. What do you need me to do? What, what do you need from Jesus that would change everything, change your life? For most of us, it it's likely starts with the reality uh, that we're sinners that need to be saved by grace. But, but for some of you, your, your sins have been forgiven a long time, but you're not living with the hope that you, that you can have from him. So what do you need from him? It's an important question. 
You know, the Christmas season often leads to a question that we all have answered for years. We've asked, what do you want for Christmas? How many of you have heard or asked that question yet this year? What do you want for Christmas? My mom was here Tuesday to watch Drake play basketball, and she said, Tyson, what do you want for Christmas? I pulled out this list. It was about this. No, I didn't do that. I actually said, Mom, I don't know. I haven't thought of it yet. I, you know, I don't need anything. Jesus doesn't want that answer. He says, what do you need me to do for you? And he wants to know more than my mom, more than, more than your grandma, uh, more than your neighbor. He's not saying, what do you want for Christmas? He says, what do, I need, what do you need me to do for you? What is Jesus going to do for you? Is he gonna, are you going to pursue peace from him? Maybe a restored relationship? Maybe healing spiritually or physically? Maybe a renewed vision to see him, to, to long after him. Maybe you need strength. Maybe it is you need your sins forgiven. And all he's saying is, I'm ready to meet your needs. Cry out. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What do you need Jesus to do for you? It's a practical question. It's a down-to-earth question. Some of you are like the beggar still at this point. You're like, no one wants to hear from me. Yes, he does. Jesus wants to hear from you today. What do you need me to do for you? I wonder how long you've been hearing the world say, don't speak up. How long Satan has been telling you, you don't matter or your mess is too great. The word of God, based on the example of this man, says that Jesus answers those who cry out to him. It's time for some of you to cry out for the first time ever. Someone here today uh, needs to cry out and say, I need the mercy of my uh, sins forgiven. I need that grace of eternal life. You know what happened when, when this man declared what he needed? It says immediately he recovered his sight. You know how long it takes your sins to be forgiven when you cry out to Jesus? Immediately they're forgiven. The Bible says that when we repent or baptized, our sins are forgiven and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say uh, after the, the credit card's paid off. It doesn't say when, when Christmas morning hits. It says it's done. Some of you can cry out today and have your life changed and your greatest needs met of a Savior. You're like, well, where does it start? What we know in the Bible is this. You do need to cry out. You need to say, Jesus, you're my Lord, and I admit I'm a sinner. You need to confess, not your sins necessarily, one for one, but you need to confess with your mouth that he is the Son of God, just like this man did. You are the Messiah, my Lord. You need to repent of your sins and then be united with him in immersion, in baptism. And this is this part that I connect with in this story, is this physical touch. In the, in the Gospel of Matthew, it, it says this, that he reached out and touched him. He touched his eyes. There's this physical touch that happens. We're spiritual and physical people, and God allows us to unite with Jesus spiritually for the forgiveness of our sins, and he also allows us uh, to unite with him physically in the burial and, and baptism in water. The Bible says when we go into the water, we unite with him in his death, and when we come up out of the water, we unite with him in his resurrection, both physically and spiritually. And then look what happens when this man's needs are met and when your needs are met. This is how we should respond. Verse 43, and immediately he recovered his sight. It, it doesn't take forever. And he followed him, glorifying God and all the people. When they saw it, gave praise to God. Here's the amazing thing. What, what allowed this man to be healed is his faith in Jesus. Jesus, I'm, I'm telling you, will meet you right where you're at. And his faith will heal you, not to leave you where you're at, but to lead you to follow him forever. 
today, I, I want to give that invitation plainly. If you're hurting, if you've realized your sins have never been forgiven, if your life is, is a mess much worse than daily has ever known, and you're like, no one uh, wants anything to do with me, and everyone's backing away, Jesus is like, I'm right here, right where you're at. Will you trust me? Will you throw everything off, the coat, the clothes, whatever it is, maybe the concerns of this world, and say, Jesus, I need you. He will be there today, right now. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we come to this time of decision, this invitation to receive the mercy and grace that Jesus gives, Lord, lead someone to take this step. Lord, lead all of us to be like Jesus and, and meet people right where they're at, the hurting and the, the ones that are kind of uh, discarded, maybe those that are lonely. Help us to, to live that way. Father, I ask that you give us courage to continue to cry out for mercy from you. Father, we thank you for the mercy and grace you give us in Jesus. In his name we pray, amen. Would you stand with us? If you have a decision to make today, if you, if you want to, to publicly say, Jesus, I need your help, that's where it starts. If you're ready to be baptized, we're, we're ready for you. If you've been living for Jesus a long time, you realize you need to be more like him, maybe find someone even before you leave today and say, how can I help you? What needs do you have that I can meet in the name of Jesus? Let's sing.